Welcome. If you're looking to unlock the secrets of the mind, to live a life that's free of care and anxiety, and to be the happiest you that you can be, then you're in the right place. This is Growing the Good, the Mindful Podcast. Hello and welcome to Growing the Good Mindful Podcast with me, your host Neil West, and I'm joined today by my good friend and co-host Hayley Kearns. Hi Hayley, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. The sun is shining. It is a beautiful day. It is. Yeah. Even, it makes... even the asphalt traffic's calmed a little yeah. for us. It does make you feel better, doesn't it, when the sun's shining? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although my, my neighbours decided en masse this morning to all mow the lawns. Oh, the they're same on time. it, yes, they're on it. <laughs> they were on it this morning, so... This used to affect us quite a lot when we recorded the podcast in your uh, walker cabin. It did, yes. Um, because your neighbours were very keen to cut their grass frequently. Yeah, they did. Um, you used to get a lot more aeroplanes over your end, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk no. about. We're here to talk today about working with teams. Yes. The great joy working yeah. um, which is kind of what brought you and I to mindfulness yes, in a way, wasn't it? It was, you know, yeah. But, um, we were experiencing some uh, concerns mm-hmm. for the well-being of our respective teams yeah. and we thought that this process might make us more skillful as parents yes. and avoid some of the pitfalls and, and, <laughs> and, and, and the negativity and, and difficulties that, that uh, um, can manifest in a relationship with a young person. Mm. Um, so we had a question, what resources, what help, what advice we have for working with teens? So, um, you can't see this podcast listeners, but in front of me is a table, and the table is full of nice things, books, resources, things that I've brought along that I mm. think would be helpful if you were working with teens and needed a bit of support, really. Yes. Mm. Okay. So. I mean, it's important to think Obviously, when we do our team groups, no one group is the same. So we, we mm. can't sort of say, right, this, this and this, that's all you're going to need. It's very, I think you've got to have that open mind, haven't yes. you? And that willingness to kind of allow the sessions to go where. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're always keen to point out, of course, we're not clinically trained anyway. We're, no. we're, we're accredited mindfulness teachers. So I will refer to things, but my understanding of these things is limited. I'm not a specialist in these things, so I don't want to give the wrong But there are things that have been useful to us and that we've dipped in and out of, aren't they, through our different sessions and things. So the the first thing I'll say to anyone is, um, is is you've got to put your own house in order first. So Mm -hmm. before, before you can help support, encourage any young people that you might have in your lives, professionally or personally, um, the first text I would point you towards is the classic. This is the uh, Kabat-Zinn's Everyday Blessings Mindfulness for Parents. I don't know if you've dipped into this. It's I quite have. a weighty text. I know. When, you, when I saw it, I thought, oh, yeah, I do need to yeah. kind of finish. But I... It's, um, it's the, the first kind of uh, text that I came across. And one the, 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 the thing that struck a chord with me was when they said, um, you have to learn to love the child you have you cannot grieve for the child that you do not have. And I think that's very true of us as teachers and professionals as well, isn't it? That we we would prefer to have lots of lovely children <laughs> who like to cooperate and do everything with a smile on their face and things. We can't grieve because they're not the children you have. You've got to learn to love the children that are there in front of you. 
Um, and the other nice thing in here is a little bit about uh, the, he plays chess with his daughter. I mean, his daughter's probably about 50 now, but he, <laughs> he plays chess with his daughter at bedtime and it helps her go to sleep. Uh, and it's a nice bonding exercise. But the game of chess itself is um, an analogy for our lives and, and how we can navigate them. So every game is an infinite number of possibilities, narrowing themselves slowly down to one inevitable end, the one that we get. But we can and do sometimes replay different possible ends. It's like role-playing alternative scenarios, the personal dilemma. We see the elements involved and their combinations and our power to make choices and direct the flow of things. We visualise and actually explore different approaches and see the consequences that unfold from each. All sorts of psychotherapists make use of role-playing to sort out emotional dilemmas and the different ways we might navigate through difficulties. Imagine beginning to learn this while playing a game and developing the inner repertoire of seeing alternative openings and moves that will further the unfolding of our lives in ways that might embody an element of wisdom. I thought, well, that's, it's, it's a good premise. We'd say to mindfulness is that ability to, in the moment, take a step back and think, no, I'm not going to be enraged by this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to think about what do I want to get out of this situation? How skillfully do I get us there in a way that's going to protect myself and the other person? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's almost like thinking a few steps ahead in a game of chess. Yeah, it is, and it's, it, it takes practice, doesn't it, and work. It's not an easy thing, we're not saying. No, it takes a lot of energy to, mm -hmm. to rein yourself in when you feel, yes. you know, that you just want to explode at someone. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be difficult to moderate those difficult emotions, can't it? Those powerful emotions. Yeah, but I use. kind of learned that the, when you do manage to do that, the situation is so much better isn't it oh it doesn't mean you can always do it but no. when you do you kind of see the benefits no um i mean there's lots we could go into more about you know that you you should be kind to yourself mm. and not not punish yourself for what you perceive as your mistakes in the past and look at situations as, as, as fresh you know mm -hmm. that uh, each each moment is a fresh new moment isn't it and yes. you are a fresh new human being in that moment Mm -hmm. um, and you were probably helped to come to those conclusions by reading one of these two books. These are the classic Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, so there's Thich Nhat Hanh's The Art of Living, um, which has that famous quote about our mind is like a garden in which there are all kinds of seeds of joy and peace and mindfulness and understanding, but also craving, anger, fear, hate and forgetfulness. How you act and the quality of your life depends on which seeds you water. You know, mm -hmm. so if you want to be a calm person, then you've got to consciously water those seeds of calm within yourself. But you're responsible for the seeds that grow in the garden of the person that you're responsible for. Yeah. Um, and what you say and how you act is watering the seeds in their garden just as much as it does in your own. So it's like put your own oxygen mask on first, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you can't help anybody else mm -hmm. unless, unless you help yourself first. Um, and then the other classic Thich Nhat Hanh is the, the miracle of mindfulness, which goes into things in a little bit more de depth and detail, so you might want to go to that after you've had a look at the art of living. And then the final uh, text that I think I would recommend to anyone starting out on a journey like this is Rene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. I think I may have shown you this yeah. before. Because if you don't have, and the young person you're working with doesn't have an emotional vocabulary, you can't talk about your feelings if you don't have the language and understanding of those feelings. So this uh, Brené Brown's Atlas of the Heart is essentially an encyclopedia of emotions. I'm doing that stroking mm -hmm. book thing that you do. Because it's, nice it's such a nice yeah. book. 
Um, and what it does is it peels away. So yeah, your challenge might be that you work with a teenager who is very angry. But they're angry for a reason. And as you peel away the layers of emotional intelligence, you get down to more, uh, you know, the, the, the feelings beneath. You get those kind of surface feelings of anger or sadness or anxiety or depression. But beneath that are lots of other layers of emotion. Um, I was going to pick them out, and I have marked page 85, because that's irony and sarcasm. Because I'm conscious that perhaps I do tend towards irony and sarcasm, and maybe a little too much. Um, so, she says here, irony and sarcasm. I don't love putting these two words together, my attempt at sarcasm. I don't like going on record about knowing the difference between sarcasm and irony because it means I can't defend my clever use of sarcasm by saying, I was only being ironic, my attempt at irony. <laughs> irony and sarcasm are forms of communication in which the literal meaning of the word is different, often opposite from the intended message. In both irony and sarcasm, there may be an element of criticism and humour. However, sarcasm is a particular type of irony in which the underlying message is normally meant to ridicule, tease or criticise. Both irony and sarcasm are easily misunderstood, especially when you're talking to someone you don't know well, when there's already some heightened emotion in the exchange, or when you're emailing or texting. This is why often mm. people don't have a clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> I apologise people who don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so researchers suggest that the successful comprehension of irony depends on the perceiver's ability to infer other people's mental states, thoughts and feelings. So it doesn't work on people who maybe have limited emotional intelligence themselves. They don't see it. Um, and that particular over text or email is difficult. Yeah. Um, it's like at school, the children, you know, sometimes if they say something unkind, they'll say, oh, I was only joking. Yes. And, then like, and they try to, but often children can't, don't understand the sarcasm. And I always say to them, it's only... It's only a joke if the person yeah. that you're saying it to but was it kind? thinks it's a yeah, joke. It and you can't often use sarcasm unless you know somebody well. Because mm -hmm. you, you, you have to appreciate their humour as well, don't you? So it is a difficult... Yeah, because the, the origin of sarcasm is from the Greek word to tear flesh. Oh. You know, so you're literally kind of biting chunks out of somebody. Oh. Uh, so my, I, I make an effort to be less sarcastic. I appreciate it is in my nature. <laughs> at times to perhaps use sarcasm uh, in an attempt at humour but actually possibly to be a little unkind mm. and perhaps to disguise the unkindness because I don't like to think I'm an unkind mm. person uh, so there you go uh, so they're, they're my recommendations Brenner Brown's Atlas of the Heart because once you yourself have that understanding and vocabulary of emotion it's easy then to help other people uh, reflect um, meditate and pick their own emotional landscape yeah okay um, I then have uh, this is, I mean, there's lots of these kinds of things. This is the Mindfulness Workbook for Teens. Exercises and tools to handle stress, find focus and thrive. And it's by Lynette Bixby. And the reason I've chosen this particular one out of the many dozens that are available is some of them tend to be just more like a journal or a jotter. Yeah. Whereas this one, it, 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 it has more depth to it, it's more variety. So it takes you through the different principles of mindfulness and it has nice activities and exercises, but it's not kind of overly repetitive. I find some of them can yeah. be quite repetitive, these, um, these sort of journals and things. So that's, that's a nice strength of this one. Uh, um, and it kind of starts with questions and then gives you helpful answers and things and places for you to make notes for yourself. Uh, getting outdoors, you, know, you have the right to feel better, 
moving through strong emotions, embracing positive, uh, so uh, coping with setbacks and challenges. So, just an mm. example of the many, many examples. Yeah, that are I mean, there. we we do try and use journaling with teams, and I think the most important thing is is trying to get them to talk about their emotions, and some of them may be a little bit reticent when talking in the group, but mm. actually encouraging them to write things down but again like everything we do it's a suggestion to try it see if it's yes. helpful but we'll help some what works for one person doesn't yeah. always work for everybody does it um, there's a lot of uh, talk at the moment about trauma informed yes um, i've got a nice uh, book here if this is kind of if you're working with teams and it's the trauma informed social emotional toolbox for children and adolescents and it's by Lisa Weed Pfeiffer and Laura K. Sibold. Um, my, I can't remember how much it was now, but it's quite expensive. <laughs> but it does have a lot of nice activities in here to help build trust, safety, understanding, and, and to help young people perhaps identify where their difficulty um, is based. So you get 116 worksheets building uh, skills building exercises to support safety connection and empowerment so if, if you want to kind of learn more about trauma-informed approaches and this is for young people who perhaps have had traumatic experiences in the past childhood child traumatic experience um, so there's that aspect that you might want to take and then another angle two books here and this is DBT dialectic behavior therapy I don't know if you've come across no. this so DBT I've got the DBT skills workbook for teens and this is uh, well the forwards by Kristen Darwin it's published by team thrive and then if you're working with younger people I've got a nice kind of more comic version DBT workbook for kids by Barrett Huang and uh, DBT uh, dialectic behavior therapy is for young people who suffer anxiety low self-esteem perhaps are prone to self-harm um, and, and, and kind of that you know the kind of more serious uh, negative thoughts and, and, and things so it's, it's about um, managing anxiety and stress through helping young people understand their emotions and communication of that um, so you might find it because this was, as you were saying, you know, all young people are different. The issues are going to be different. So that's more for young people who perhaps have developed uh, anxiety, stress, uh, not necessarily as a result of uh, trauma. Yeah. Um, and then we talk about character strengths. Which we have when we talked about eudaimonics and the, the mm -hmm. God within. Um, that it's better with young people to focus on what their strengths are than reinforce their already negative ideas about themselves. Um, so you get character, I've got here, uh, this is Character Strength in Interventions, a field guide for practitioners, and this is from the VAI Institute on Character, and it comes with a, a box of cards, Character Strength in Intervention cards. Um, now this is quite an expensive kit, to be fair, but it's it's the it's the go-to guide really on how to work with young people to use character strengths as a way of building. Um, it's about reframing. So you look at a situation and instead of you know traditionally you would tell people what they've got wrong and how they've failed and you know just bring them down lower. 
you'll say, right, well, yeah, character strength here is something I identified at mine as humour. Um, and the negative part of that could be sarcasm. Mm -hmm. The positive part of it could be, you know, seeing the, the playfulness in a situation and so on. So you reframe what happened and say, well, if you used your character strengths to uh, manage that situation, you know, how would it have looked? How would it have been more successful? So it's, it's uh, empowering people, really, to use their strengths in a situation rather than focusing on the, 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 the negatives, yeah. And then I've got here polyvagal exercises for safety and connection. So we talked about SOMA, and SOMA is the, the teens course that, that we attended, and SOMA is the Greek for the body. And polyvagal exercise, and this I think is quite connected to the trauma-informed, is um, you know our body responds to difficulty and trauma and stress in a way that before our brains do, because our bodies, you know, the, the bodies were around before brains were around. You know, there's an instinct, isn't there, to fight, flight or freeze that happens within our bodies before our brains get involved. Um, because we've how many brain cells in our guts? <laughs> we've got quite a lot of brain cells in the gut, haven't we? Because that, that gut feeling is, is quite literal. You know, you do have got that kind of um, the, the, the brain response in, in the guts. Um, but our whole bodies really are programmed for safety. And if we don't feel safe, then they react to that um, experience. So if you can create a sense of safety, and this is true of the trauma-informed approach as well, if you can create for young people a sense of safety, then they are able to respond in a way that is more helpful to a situation rather than feeling threatened by it and then going into the fight, flight or freeze response. Um, so having an understanding of polyvagal thinking I think is quite helpful, yeah. particularly if you're working with trauma-informed uh, approaches. Um, then we've also we did a whole programme about Ikigai. We did, yeah. Uh, and this is my, my favourite Ikigai book. So Ikigai is that reason for living. What makes you get up in the morning? Um, and this is the very westernised version of Ikigai by Hector Garcia and Francis Morales. Uh, not Japanese, obviously, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's this idea where if you're working with young people and, and wanting to raise their aspirations, um, there's that kind of petal diagram, um, what do you call that, maths Venn diagram, yeah. yeah? Mm -hmm. So you have a, 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 if you're doing what you love is one circle, and what the world needs is another circle, what you can be paid for, but that doesn't mean money necessarily, but people value what you do. Uh, and what you're good at. So it's what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for and what you're good at. And then you get the intersection in the centre where all those circles cross over. And that's Ikigai, that's, that's kind of um, the, the reason for living, the best purpose, living life with its best purpose. So there's quite a lot of information there about Ikigai. But it's, it's quite a good one if you're working with young people perhaps who don't have high aspirations mm -hmm. to start that conversation well what are you good at what do you enjoy what might people pay you to do you know and you can start to steer a person in in that aspirational direction um, and we use a lot of games we do yeah so i've brought some of the games that we use uh, this is we see always yeah. a popular one yes. so it's we the french see the spanish yes yes and you get 210 little cards, and on each card there's a photograph. Sometimes it's a whole thing, you can see a baby's foot here. Sometimes it's a part of an object, and you might not easily work out what object you're looking at. Or it might be something photographed very close up, 
Uh, and the idea is to see connections. So you play games where you put the cards down and look for connections between the pictures. And you can play very simple games, have not, 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 not in a competitive way, where simply you place a card and you say what the connection is. Or you can make it more competitive and challenging if, if that's... And again, it depends yeah. on who you've got in front of you, doesn't yeah. it? And we find there's lots of creative activities you can use the cards to be inspired by mm. as well. You know, so you kind of draw around the picture or use the picture to inspire another photograph yeah. or things like that. Yeah, you've got a group that, because we do use a lot of craft as well, don't we? Yeah. So that's, uh, you can find out more at wecee.co. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then another game that we like to use is Dixit. And Dixit is a game where you have cards and you've got to describe the quality of the card in such a way that people could guess it but not too easily. Because if, if everybody guesses, you don't get any points. So the, 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 the cards are all kind of very storybooky um, and, and, and a bit odd in some cases. Yeah. And that appeals to young people, doesn't it? That they're quite quirky pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, so you've got to give people a clue and then everybody puts their cards down. You have to and, pick and one of your pick. cards that yeah. matches the same clue and then you have to guess which one yeah, so was the original card. So it's, it's good. It's a good one for uh, building that sense of communication, almost unspoken communication, isn't it? Because it's, yeah. it's inferred and you, you can't be too explicit about it. Um, but again, it's not too competitive. But it gets people talking and it, it, it's a lot of fun, we find. Yeah. yeah. Those uh, games that are, that are good levelers, we like, don't we, where there isn't, you don't have to have a particular skill set no, to and, achieve. And, and, and if people already have kind of quite low self esteem or issues with working with other people and things, competitive games can be a, mm. a challenge. Yeah. Uh, like me when I play against you and you're excessively competitive. <laughs> <laughs> In a very <laughs> mindful very way, mindful of course. Way. Um, and then we do lots of these Zen stones, you know, where you stack the stones. And the one I've picked to tell you about is called Zen Stack. Uh, Zen Stack, I can't see anything else in the box that tells you much about it. It's produced by Gift Republic Limited. But the reason I've chosen this instead of just going, if you go out and find your own stones, good luck if you've got like 15 people yeah. to cater for. Um, but often they're really, really hard to stack. Hayley's got some beautiful ones, but it, it, they drive yeah. you bananas because they're hard to stack. These actually can be either easy to stack or hard to stack. There's two ways of doing it. So you can make it dead easy for yourself if you want and have the satisfaction of building a big stack. Or you can follow the difficult instructions and, and, and make it really fiendish. So I quite like that, that choice because it can be a bit yeah. frustrating if you keep following everything. So there you go. That's a whistle stop. Um, yeah, things definitely. I use with teens. Um, description, review, yeah. review, I suppose. It was a bit of a review, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the things I choose to point. use. Um, so, not anything more to add to that. No, that again, use, it's or? just to reiterate that the fact that it isn't just a hard and fast, these are the eight sessions you can do. It's very much no. based on the people that you've, you've got. You've got to you. know, I think that's the key. You've got to know the young people you're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, and that will make it easier then for you to choose what resources will be helpful. Yeah, and the games and things are a, a way into that, mm. I mean, the craft activities. Because yeah. often, you know, they will just start to chat amongst themselves and that can yeah. be a really good yeah, icebreaker. Often yeah. all they're looking for is a safe place where they're yeah. not judged. So we don't put them on the spot and yeah. we don't make them take turns or no. the height spot light on them because we haven't yet really found any teams that enjoy that sort of... Yeah. 
Mm. Or if we do get teens that are like that, then they... Yeah. I mean, we had the ones that quite liked being on the podcast. Yes. If, if you listen back a few episodes, you can hear some of the teens mm. that we have worked with. Um, yeah. Okay. But yeah, well, we'd be interested true. if there are things that you use um, to support your work with young people. It would be interesting to hear yes, from you. Yes. Um, and you can get in touch with us. You can find us on Facebook, One Together CIC on Facebook. Or you can email us at ontogethercic at gmail.com. Bailey's testing me. Um, we have quiet. a website, <laughs> ontogethercic.co.uk. Um, That's it. All three, three, yes. all three, 383. Yeah. Yeah. And, but for now, this is Growing the Good, the Mindful podcast. podcast. And we will see you next time. time. This is Growing the Good, the Mindful Podcast.